Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. It's great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Hello, Mr. Benny. Hi, Pat. As I said before, yeah, go Pride. Go yeah. Pride. Fabulous. Pride Month, everybody. Yep. Should be all year, uh, all year round. It should be all year yeah. round. And I think I think for some it is. But for some reason, especially in the New York area, um, well, it's the 50th uh I, I, the word anniversary seems odd, mm -hmm. but the 50th celebration of uh, Stonewall and the Stonewall riots out of the village. And so there's that going on, right? Mm -hmm. um, for those of you that missed the last part of the show, I got a bunch of text messages. Yeah, the dates of that were June 28th to July 1st. And that's why you heard me talk about I was thinking about going back to New York for the parade, which is actually the 30th of June this year. So a lot of things that that seem to be showing up this year to get us really reflect and to think about who we are and how we show up in the world. And and you you saw that that was a theme. Um, and if you go back and you look at the history of Stonewall or you look at what that was about you're going to see it was more about people having a voice in life. But in order for you to have a voice in life, one of the things that I think each of us has to face is how do we live an authentic and transparent life? How do we do that? You know, what is it that we can learn to shift our perspective that could literally change our world, right? And so when I think about this and I think about how we can transform painful experiences into a purpose or how we can transform the energies of fear, the energy of conflict, how we can do that to change things into a better world. I'm struck by a couple of things. One is I'm struck by this fabulous book that Mary, Mary wrote, Mary S. Corning wrote. You're going to hear me talk about her a bit. She's here with us today. And it's called Perfect Practice, a Philosophy for Living an Authentic and Transparent Life. And when I hear that or when I saw that and this book came across my desk and the idea of it came across my desk, what I was really struck by is this idea of wanting to show up authentically in life. But yet at the same time, how do you do it? How do you do that? And then I saw a picture of Mary next to an incredibly beautiful, beautiful creature. And I thought, I get it. Because any of us, and I started to ride when I was a young child, any of us that has ever gotten on the back of a horse, afraid, will understand what that energy and how that energy translates. But here we are, we're going to talk with her, not only about her philosophy, but how that philosophy translates into the world of horses, you know, where both people and horses could get the benefit and understanding how our energy is so highly, highly transmitted into the world and why these beautiful creatures are so powerful yet so sensitive. Mary, it's great to have you. Welcome. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. Um, you know, 
there's an interesting energy we have uh, around, first of all, living authentic and transparently. But anyone that says authentic, transparent, and the word horse in the same sentence has a deeper understanding Uh. of what that means. Many of us know what it's like to get on the back of a horse and stay there and then to get on the back of the horse and not stay there. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all about what's going on. So here's my question for you. This is a beautiful book, by the way. I mean, just what we got is just beautiful. How has your life been transformed Mm. by the honor that you've had in taking this journey with these majestic creatures? Hmm. Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> it, it might be easier to say how it hasn't. Yeah, that's it. You know, because <laughs> they, well, they brought me, they brought me to that place of authenticity. They, they made it necessary. They made it possible. They showed the way. They gave me the the passion for it, the uh, inspiration for it. So, um, and really, I mean, to really narrow it down for your listeners, because I could probably talk about it, well, all week, uh, <laughs> is that it really boils down to introducing myself back to the place of acceptance and love, if you will, because... I loved and love the horses so much from this place that wasn't of my mind. It wasn't an intellectual decision that made me buy a horse. It wasn't something I wanted to become. It was something I was. And and yet, as your introduction so poetically phrased, the world sometimes just drags us away from that. And uh, next thing you know, we're living somebody else's life. We're living opinions. We're living judgments. And we're living. And when I am with a horse, it's just me and him or her. And um, it's it's so natural. And I, riding is one part of it. Yes, getting on their back. Right. But really, my life with horses is just that. It's a life. It's I yeah. live with them. In fact, I'm with them 24-7. I, I, I wrote the book sitting on the deck, looking out to the, to the horses grazing, you know, so I'm really with them all the time. The reason I bring it up, and let me explain why. When I was young, I'm a girl from the Bronx, New York. Mm. But for whatever reason, and I really to this day could not get my dad to explain it to me. He could never come up with a good reason for this. But early on in my life, um, I think it was my sister that inspired it. Because here's the thing. They got me this crazy horse, toy horse thing that you could get on, right, as a kid. And so here I was, this very, very young child. And I would dress up in the the outfits, you know, the cowboy, cowgirl outfits, the whole thing, the guns, the whole deal. And I would get on this horse and I had a fascination. Now, look, it, I am the least likely candidate for a child so fascinated with these beings, right? So my dad decides we're going to get our lessons at Van Cortland Park in New York. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm under the age that you should legally have a child. I, mean, I, I forget the age now. But back then, I don't think we thought about it age so much. And here I am. I'm five years old. And I've got the whole outfit and fascination. <laughs> and and I can remember this like it was bre- like it's breathing. And when I was given that opportunity and I got to stand near these creatures and touch them, and it was, I can't even explain this, but you do in the book. And I got on the horse like it was for me as if I was born. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember 
I remember one day in December, it was my birthday, December 11, and we were supposed to go and ride, but it was too cold. And my dad was telling me, we can't go. They won't bring the horse out. You would, you would not want this child whose nickname was <laughs> Pat the Brat to not be able to ride. So imagine what happens to this. And this is part of what you write in the book. Long story short, my dad calls the place, gets the trainer to come, pulls the horse out. I climb up on the, the three steps to get on him, get on the horse, not go anywhere just to walk around. But I think to this day, and I want you to talk to this, I think that my relationship at a very young age helped me become the woman I am today. Mm-hmm. Tell us what your experience, how in life can you explain that to our listeners mm-hmm. in the way you have in the book? Because I do attribute this to that young experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think what you speak of is unity or bonding of mm-hmm. it on a on a non-intellectual level it's it was your heart that was with the horse's heart you know when two creatures especially we have a, a predator and a prey animal and those two come together in one idea one and and you know the horse never really it's not his idea to get saddled and ridden but they accept it with such grace don't they isn't it quite remarkable that they even allow us to get strangest thing yeah strangest strangest thing (laughs) and i've ever seen (laughs) yeah and then they they get in these horse trailers they go in the cave and it all of it all of it so to me that's that that is why i say that they are the greatest um metaphor for forgiveness for acceptance for allowing and look at look at what we've achieved through that and i really believe that it's growing that the understanding of how you can take conflict such as a horse that doesn't want to be ridden and a rider that wants to ride and make mm-hmm. that into something beautiful which i've seen endless times more times than you can imagine i've seen frightened horses and frightened riders end up like you as a five-year-old and and find i mean it's miraculous to say the least but we take that for granted somewhat you don't you know don't we and and so for me i took that (laughs) to heart you might say I saw it as an indicator or a pathway or a philosophy, if you will, um, to apply to everything in my life. The horses weren't teaching me to ride. The horses were teaching me to live. Yeah, I am so glad you said that because, uh, first of all, let me commend you on a fabulous, fabulous book. And then I have read a lot of books and <laughs> in 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. But there's something about the way you wrote this book, right? I mean, I, I was talking to Linda about it and I, I, I said to her, you know, there's a sentence in the book that I can relate to. And I says, it's simple, but this is what it is. The sentence, the sentence in the book was, the morning air smells of fresh rain. It is damp and chilly. And the book is filled with ways that you describe. Mm -hmm. And there is an energy of this. But you dedicate the book, if I might, to this person and this quote. Ray Hunt. This is the quote. I'll never be perfect, but I won't settle for anything less. Well, right? Mm -hmm. Tell us about Ray Oh, I have goosebumps. Um, wow. If I could, I, I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Ray mm-hmm. Hunt, to me, was larger than life. And mm-hmm. I do believe that that's a true statement. Um, he, he was the living example of the bridge. The bridge between past and, and future. The bridge that 
demonstrates what's possible. Ray showed us what was possible after tradition and, and you know, hundreds of years of um, dominating creatures and, and making them do something. Ray would be in this dusty corral and he, you know, he wasn't, he didn't want to be famous. He wanted to help horses and all the way through his life. That was what I believe uh, he wanted to do. And he did. And he helped horses by educating the people. And that's what we need to do too. We need to have the education so we can understand how to not settle for anything less. We settle for pain. We settle for, uh, conflict we settle for fear every day of our lives and i can say that accurately because i've never met anyone uh horse or a human that has gotten through this life without dealing with fear or pain and ray hunt showed that when we do less we can get more to me that means pause uh, that's how I, I learned to become curious rather than fearful because Ray would get us to think. He didn't give answers. He asked good questions. He said, don't ask me, ask the horse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and if the horse is bucking you off, he's telling you something. You better yeah. listen, you know, <laughs> and Ray didn't mince words. Never. He was as straightforward a man as you'd ever meet. <laughs> So he was, he changed the world. He, he learned from Tom Dorrance. I think that's very important to state because Tom is also part of the dedication mm -hmm. uh, because Ray, Ray was a cowboy. He, that's all he ever <laughs> wanted to be. He, he mustanged on Mustangs. I mean, he, you know, it was rough and tough and get her done, but he was so good it was his passion but when he found a horse he couldn't couldn't help he went looking for answers because of that quote that you read he wasn't going to settle for just sell the horse or go to the next one which a vast majority of us do right i i can't do that because i marry them right. all but <laughs> <laughs> but um so he met tom dorrance who was really the prodigy he was the one that he naturally had this. This was, he, it came through Tom. Ray had to learn it. Tom lived it naturally. So the, really it was the combination of mm -hmm. these men that literally, and I feel very safe in saying, changed the world of horsemanship for the better for the horse. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about, for those of you that are just tuning in, you know, I just want to tell you that Mary's joining me here today, Mary Corning. But I want to just tell you about the book. It's called Perfect Practice, A Philosophy for Living an Authentic and Transparent Life. But the book is like more than that. I know as an author, you have to come up with a book title, right? <laughs> and, and, and then, you, But when I read this book, Mary, here's what I want to say to you about it. I like to go through and I like to, of course, understand it, but I'm captivated by, by phrases and words, right? And I, I stopped at a moment as I was rereading it over the weekend, and I stopped and I thought almost every paragraph that you have written in this book, almost every paragraph, there's at least three to five sentences that I could pull out that could become amazing quotes. I mean, that's how struck I was by your words. Uh, and and the book couldn't have been written in the in in a fine way without you writing it this way because it's very hard to describe the energy and you did it. And thank and you. so I mean, it is just beautiful. I mean, I, I just want to read this. Just a out of context phrase, I just want to go here because this book touches upon a level of pain that I know I experience in my life, right? Mm -hmm. Many people are experiencing life. And, and I remember reading this and I just, I was so transcended back. Like at one point you talk about we would trot down the trails as if on a mission and park next to the path. I mean, I'm reading this and I'm brought there. 
But I'm also made of more aware of the philosophy you're talking about. And I want to talk about awareness. That's where I want to, I, I kind of want to start. Because I'm so struck by that word and how becoming aware of ourselves and how we can be reminded of ourselves and that place. It isn't any more prevalent than it is when you're around horses, I don't believe. But awareness is a common thread at the beginning of the book. Tell me about awareness as the, 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 the beginning point to help us through our pain. That, I'm so glad you phrased it that way because that was where I was going to lead to was that oh, pain is something that we see all the time. It's, it's easy to feel pain and it's easy to recognize some conflict and, and, and things that are negative are very active because of survival, because we want to survive. So we pay attention to pain. Um, and so that is really a lot of times how we can find our awareness, but we have to be willing. That's a key word. We have to be willing to look deeper than what's causing the pain. We have to go inside and have compassion for right where we're at today. And, and I talk in the book a lot about, um, presence awareness consciousness mm -hmm. and that's it's thankfully that's a very popular topic these days i'm so glad the world is interested in those words um and to me the ability to be present in each situation even if that means we're hooked in pain mm -hmm. so when and and so you know we're we're we can be present sometimes when we're awestruck by looking at a sunset or an ocean or we can just for a moment the mind I I talk about hitting the pause button on the mind where we're not judging it anymore we're just oh look at that you know mm -hmm. and sometimes that can happen when we have shocking experiences too we can when we hear uh, a tragedy or shocking news our mind can be paused for a minute and when that happens there's like a window there's an opportunity to get behind the thought and to me, that's what awareness is. And that is perfect practice. Because if you'll think about it, awareness is perfect because it really doesn't have judgment. Right. It right. doesn't have a contrast. It doesn't have a dualistic sense. It's just curiosity. It's looking and listening. Yeah. And, and, and when we do that, when we stop and and listen before we start labeling what we're hearing, that's presence. And we can do that every single day of our life. For some reason, for me, I can do that the easiest when I'm with my horses. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and so that's why I use the horse so often, because that's what works for me. And I actually wrote the book because I realized lots of people that have never been around horses somehow connect to that place in themselves because, you know, you know, horses have been mystical and magical and in novels and in, in story and myth, you know, of forever. So they kind of carry with it that, that beautiful place within ourselves that's behind the thought. Yeah, and you really touched upon it, um, you know, out of this and in, in, in the relationship you have and the experience of that and that divine connection you have comes a sense of wisdom that I think many have known for centuries around uh -huh. this, yeah. centuries. It's not, yes. I not mean, new. <laughs> it's yeah. not new. However, what you've done, though, Mary, is you've taken this connection and brought it to contemporary times. You know, mm -hmm. one of the things I was struck by, you were talking about grieving and grieving the forest. And I remember reading this and, and, and I'm just going to, just going to share it with, with our audience. You said, I grieve the loss of the forest. Grief is a conflict between what we want and what is 
the, this conflict created pain and my suffering came from resisting the pain and the circumstances it created. I had to learn to be compassionately aware of my pain. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could just stop there and call it a book. <laughs> well, um, I lived it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I am fortunate because I write only about what I live. Yes. And uh, I don't have to, I don't, <laughs> I'm my best friend. We always laugh. I don't make this stuff up. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's life. It's life 101. And that's part of being authentic is, yeah. is looking, I let, you know, your intro again, that was so important to say, I think that because that's how we change the world mm -hmm. is from inside us, not mm -hmm. from outside us, but so many times we don't know what is inside us. And I would add, especially when we're in pain, when we're in pain, we want to turn tail and run. We want to cover it up, mask it. I mean, look at society's dependency on covering it up. Oh. You know, you know oh. Oh. I don't have to get you started, right, with oh. prescription drugs and substance abuse and, and, oh, gosh, it just goes on and on. So, and myself included. I mean, I traveled down that path for a while, too, in my early years. Oh, yeah. And I learned that doesn't work. You know, that, it, I just ended up, it's like a path circles around, comes back right where I was. I didn't get I know. Anywhere. It's like running in place. Yeah. I feel the same thing. You know, it's funny that uh, today's both hours of show, I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking with folks that have taken the same pathway that I did. But I got to tell you, you know, for me, and I've thought about this a lot earlier in my life, I don't quite know, given the lack of tools I had from 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 a youngster right uh, numbing myself seemed to be my only way to survive right yeah, at a certain yeah. point in time <laughs> but what i realized later was uh something else you say in the book especially about resistance and i love this i want to talk with you about it when we come back resistance requires engagement we can choose to disengage without departure i cannot wait to hear what Mary has got to share with us about that. This book is fabulous, folks. We have got copies of it to give away. Uh, and actually, I already have two copies gone. 1-800-930-2819. Uh, 1-800-930-2819. Mr. Benny, let's take a short break. We'll be right back with my very special guest, Mary Corning. Dream on, lie high, and live adventurously on The Laura Meeks Show. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as host Laura Meeks guides you in finding your unique gifts and bringing them to life. As a certified life coach, speaker, and veteran bomber pilot for the U.S. Air Force, Laura knows how to follow a dream. She is ready to support you so you can dream on, fly high, and live adventurously. For more information on Laura and her work, visit flyhighliving.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Check us out at drpatshow.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh, my goodness. Are you your story? Or can you change your story? Can you change what you believe to be true about yourself and your circumstances as part of your healing journey? What if you were to change your expectations? What if you were to invite ease and cooperation into every day and then step back and see what happens? 
it might just be easier. I'm Megan Edge, and I hope that you'll join me on my new radio show, Playing on the Edge, Radical Change with Ease, with my co-host, Dr. Pat, on Transformation Talk Radio. I look forward to seeing you there. Want to find out more about Megan Edge? Visit her website at meganedge.ca. Are you ready to create a life you'll really love? Then you'll want to tune in to the hit show Life Design Radio from Adversity to Awesome with Susan DiLorenzo. Live each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. No matter where you are in your adversity story, Life Design Radio has got you covered. Get ready to feel inspired, enlightened, and motivated. For more information about working with Susan, visit SusanDiLorenzo.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. For those of you just tuning in, I'm thrilled to have Mary, Mary Corning, joining me here today. The book is called Perfect Practice, A Philosophy for Living an Authentic and Transparent Life. And uh, we're going to try to give away as many copies as we can during the show. But also, if you all are listening to this later on, the download of it, um, please give us a call anyway. We have five copies to give away, uh, a signed special edition of the book, 1-800-930-2819. And I have a, uh, uh, an 11 year old that is going to get a copy of this book. And she too uh, rides, uh, horses, loves them. Again, question for parents is we don't know how or why this beautiful child loves the book. Uh, but then again, um, this is what we're talking about today. Um, Mary, how can people find out more about you? Would you like to give out your website, please? Oh, sure. Um, it's marycorning.com. And uh, it's a fabulous place to visit, and it's changing all the time. So please feel free to wander about, and you'll you'll find all sorts of wonderful from blogs to podcasts and and you can buy the book there and there's links and so it's marycorning.com wow thank you uh, mary one of the things i want to talk to and um it's some built you know i want to build a bridge to it is um uh, this beautiful 11 year old that i'm her auntie auntie patty right <laughs> or better known as miss patty I watched this child. I've known her even before she was born. And I, I, we all saw her interest in writing. But unless you're far away like I am, it's hard to see how this young child changes and has grown confidence mm -hmm. and, and a loving heart, right? See, I really do think that this connection she has with these beautiful horses is part of it. In your book, you talk about learning trust and gaining confidence. And I think this is what I saw. Tell us about that experience and why this is something that can happen for people as they get to, you know, have these experiences with horses. Mm. Well, Trust is an interesting word, I think, yeah. because <laughs> I think it's misunderstood. Mm -hmm. I feel that trust is something that is um, inside us, not outside of us. And you mentioned children, mm -hmm. um, and children have this amazing ability to just be in the moment and and see what is in front of them without what I call future tripping into worrying what if and all that you know they have this they already have that unless we screw it up. <laughs> you know, it's the same with young horses. It's amazing what they'll give. Oh my goodness, what they give until we uh, until they decide that they have to protect themselves. And that's when fear comes in. So I think that we're not understanding trust if we project it outward and say, I have to have 
something happened for me to trust. Mm-hmm. What I prefer to do because this is just because it's effective 100% of the time. It's not conditional. My trust is not conditional if it's in me. So I trust myself to make good decisions. I trust myself to be willing not to get on a horse if I don't think it's ready. Or I trust myself to have discernment. I don't need fear. And so many times when we are putting our trust in the conditions outside of us, that breeds fear because conditions change. So nothing is consistent. <laughs> so it's, it's completely backwards. It doesn't make any sense. No wonder there's so much fear in the world. Um, so the, the, um, the, the way to build trust and confidence is, uh, whether it's in horses or in life, to me it's the same. It's fundamental. And, and that is to go in small increments. Mm-hmm. If someone is afraid to ride, I certainly don't throw them in the saddle and say, giddy up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll hand them a brush and I'll say, would you like to brush the horse? Yeah, yeah. And, and they get, and I say, you know what, you don't have to get on, but I'm going to put a saddle up there and you can see how the horse is saddled. And they go, oh, that's not as complicated as I thought. And so we work incrementally from a success to a success. And that's how we build confidence, not going from A to Z. We have to, you know, Ray, my teacher, Ray Hunt would say, uh, step one is in step 10. It never leaves it. You have to have those beautiful, basic, fundamental pieces in place to be able to have success. And we do that slowly and, um, and uh, consciously, not unconsciously. Yeah. And, you know, this is really part of, of what we're talking about here today. Um, but part of this is something you said, and you become more aware, Mary. One of the things that you and I share in common is uh, in the book, you talk about this uh, uh, under the chapter of worthiness. And you talk about honesty. And honesty is, is, is absolutely what we see in horses, right? Right. I mean, you see it, whether it's yeah. in the movies, I don't care, whatever you turn on. Right. Right. Uh, uh, And you also say something, too, that I find really important in the world we live in today. And that is that honesty in horses helps me find the same in myself. And I want to ask you how so, because I was really struck by the fact that this statement is in the worthiness chapter, which is something I struggled with all my life. Many, many of us do. Probably everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the honesty helped me see it in myself because I took responsibility for my part in the relationship. When a horse bucks me off, the first thing I ask is, what did I miss? What was my part in it? And uh, thankfully, that doesn't happen anymore, and it hasn't happened all too often because I'm good at asking questions like that. I don't go beyond what we're ready for. Um, but I had to, oh, throughout my all of my life with horses and, and being able to be near great masterful teachers, that was such a setting the bar so high for me that I just kept looking at me kept looking at me because the horse is all right already. I mean, they're what he's a horse, you know, I mean, he's perfect at being a horse. He doesn't have to be anything else. It's only when I bring him into my world that the expectations change. And, um, so it really, um, it really provided me the environment to have to look at myself and that's how I found the honesty within myself and then I carried it of course worthiness um, the, that chapter is all about my human relationship 
and and my human relationship with others and with myself. And uh, I could not be in, I'm saying this slowly because it's so important. I could not be in a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. without feeling I was worthy of it. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, I'll tell you that right there, that feeling that goes for love relationships, work relationships, sibling relationships, parental, especially, 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 (laughs) uh, uh, right? Because our, our, our sisters and brothers, they are like the first to kind of point out whatever it is that we had uh, hiccuping when we were growing up. Um, But this is so key to confidence and worthiness, because I don't know about you, and I know we've heard stories about this, but horses know. They somehow know. I think they know if we don't feel worthy of who that horse is. And I remember, I remember this from growing up. I was always drawn to a horse that was like five times bigger than anybody would put me as a young child on. But for whatever reason, I was drawn to that. I had no issue with it. There wasn't anything in my mind that said, I'm not worthy of that horse, or I wouldn't be able to ride that horse, Mm -hmm. or I shouldn't be able to get on that horse. And I remember being able to, no, no, this is wrong, this is incorrect. I wasn't, I wasn't asked which horse I wanted to ride and train with. I found it and it was gigantic, right? Yeah. And I remember I wouldn't stand for any other. I mean, honestly, this was the kind of kid I was. I wouldn't yeah. stand, but I didn't have the fear about it that others have. And I want to ask you this question. You know, this is about freedom. See, your book is really about freedom. Mm-hmm. And a matter of fact, in, in some Native American traditions, horses represent the energy of freedom. Mm-hmm. Was I that, know why. <laughs> well, well I, I wanted to ask you, did you do that consciously in writing the book? Because this is a book about freedom. Yeah, well, I think that in all mythology uh, or all... Uh, cultures, uh, storytelling cultures that pass wisdom on, that the symbols are the symbols for a reason. And and horses do represent freedom um, because, you know, for me, uh, this is just my analogy of it, a horse is so incredibly powerful. You have a thousand pound animal that is also a prey animal it is it is somebody's dinner you know so you have this power and you have this vulnerability in the same animal and and for me that's what that blend is the forgiveness and the honesty within each of us because we just get lost in our predator ways, in force, making things happen, controlling things. And, and freedom isn't in control. How could it be? If we have to control something, we're imprisoned by it. We're, we're not free. Um, and you, you mentioned yourself as a child and other children. They're still free before they c- take on the world's opinions of fear and doubt and mm-hmm. separation, you know. You know how children just say it like it is? It's like out of the mouths of babes, you hear. And um, that's freedom. But, of course, now as we get older... We, we are in this world, just like when we bring the horse into the human environment, there's certain behavior that is going to be very ineffective. Yeah. And, and so, but we have this beautiful mind and this is a big part of, for me, the freedom is, is utilizing the mind as a tool, but not as the fundamental basis for who we are. 
And, um, and that means I'm free to create. The mind helps us create our world, create our life. That's why I say, you know, we could shift our perspective and change the world because we do have choice. We are here. And so the horse representing freedom to me brought those elements into play. Power and vulnerability blended in freedom to, uh, to express, to be. And so that's just one girl's opinion. <laughs> but um, I think that mythology points to that. Yeah. And, um, and that's probably why, you know, uh, the horse drags the sun across the sky. And mm -hmm. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, uh, one of the things I want to say for those of you just tuning in, you know, I'm here with the most amazing Mary Corning. The book is Perfect Practice. Again, we've got copies to give away. 1-800-930-2819. There's so much in this book. I mean, it's so beautifully done, Mary. Um, and I love that you call out certain aspects of it. Um, I want to read this because this is what I want to kind of use for ending the show. I want to read this from the book. Uh, it, it's this. It's when one is willing to add passion and inspiration to intentions of perfection, the abundance of this world is free to supply its endless options. Wow. I mean, I, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Let's Thank talk you so about much. how that works from your perspective. Mm, and what a great yeah. way to bring this full around. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because that is that is the creation element, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this world is unbelievable. I mean, I am in awe every day that I wake up at everything that's the potentiality as well as what is. And... Um, and I, I personally believe in miracles, but perhaps I have a different interpretation of them. And what I see is a miracle is uh, the absence of fear. Ugh. And that is our choice. That is what we can do every day. And so we don't have to go get this. That's the beauty of perfect practice. We all have it. We, it's not new. It, you can have it anywhere in the grocery store or when you wake up in the morning in your pajamas. I mean, it can be anywhere because it's within us. Um, but we really do have to unlearn our limitations. And our limitations come directly from fear. So that's why I talk about fear and pain a lot. Because I want people to be able to, it's not a dirty word. It's not something to avoid. It's not, you know, it's the elephant in the living room kind of thing. I want to feed the elephant. I want to just say, hey, buddy, you know, let's get along. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we don't want to, um, we don't want to run away from the best teacher in our life. And the best teacher in our life is our pain. Because it's telling us, it's saying, you know, help. And, and so when we start to, and I'm a big believer in the, the visualization of peeling veils. Yeah. That's something that's, that's so incredible. And I use that almost every day that I visit with people because, you know, at our eyes can see our vision is perfect. And then we bring in all these opinions and thoughts and judgments and fears and you name it. The world just gives it to us as much as we'll take. <laughs> and we veil our vision and we put one veil for fear, one veil for jealousy and one veil for anger and one veil. And as we keep putting these veils and then live a lifetime that way, right? So as we go through, the veils get deeper and deeper and deeper. But it's never that we can't see. It's that we're blocked. So this is this ability to create and have this abundant world serve us and for it to be unified, which means in any relationship, it's not a one-way street. When, when we serve the world, the world serves us. And that's what the book is about for me. 
that's my reach. That's my ability to serve. And in return, I get so much more out of it because it just increases. That's that's when sharing expands the thing you're giving. That's so important. It's not sacrifice. You have it. Now I don't. Yeah. Right. Mm. So it's sharing this, uh, but we have to help each other peel the veils too. And that's where authenticity comes in. You're not going to peel a veil if I don't say, ouch, if I don't say, you know, um, okay, this isn't working. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it's something I said a long time ago that we're put on this planet, like to be here together, like people, right. And yeah. we're put on this planet to be here with other creatures, right. Yeah. Because if uh, the universal law, universal energy wouldn't want us to learn from each other, you would have been getting your own planet. I would have got my own planet, yeah. right? Yeah. And we'd have been off into the Gaga land, right? But this is a place where I think what you said is so key, right? The level by which we can step into our full nature, of passion and inspiration. And boy, it's limitless, isn't it? Endless. It's, you bet. it's you endless. Bet. And it's so easy to do. But the opposite is easy as well. And what you do put your attention on will expand. And I love that around the lessons with horses. Because uh, the more fear you put in with your little butt on that saddle, on that horse, whoa. The more counteracting of the energy, and that is a universal law. I want to thank you for today. Awesome, awesome. Thank I'm you. telling you, I, I I highlighted a gazillion things. Right? It's <laughs> yeah. like it's like some kind of you know like puzzle, and it's like a Scrabble game in my book now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to well. ask one last question. Thank you okay. for today. You What's bet. your personal message? What do you want to leave us with, Marion? Boy, I'll tell you, you rock. Thank you. Um, we can change our perspective and absolutely create a better world. Abs and I know that's that's grandiose and it's meant to be because we are, you know, we can do this, but it is something that comes within us, not outside of us. And so that's the most important of all. And be authentic and let others know you're, you know, when we allow ourselves to be known, that's the transparency. And but the deepest part, not the judgments and the thoughts, but who we are at the core and we'll have that unity, we'll build a better world. And I'm looking forward to it because I'm absolutely positive that's where we're headed. I'm with you on that. Thank yeah. you so much. Please give out your website. Tell folks where they can get a copy of your book. OK, um, marycorning.com you can get a copy there and oh by the way today is pub date so it is available worldwide on amazon barnes and noble everywhere and uh right from our website we still have some limited edition signed copies uh so they're available there at marycorning.com I love it, Mary. Thank you again. Thank you so much for all that you do. I want to thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. And I'll read this one more time. When, when one is willing to add passion and inspiration to intentions of perfection, the abundance of this world is free to supply its endless options. We'll see you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.